Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, We're actually starting a brand new book of the Bible this morning. Uh, One that I have only read through a couple of times, but I really thought was powerful and what it speaks to. So we're going to, we're kind of going to walk through it this morning. But before that, let me give you an idea why we're walking through it. Uh, A lot of people, when they pray or even when they don't pray, just have problems trusting God and bringing things to him even to pray for. There's a lot of people that have said, hey, I would have prayed for this, but I thought this was too big for God to handle, right? So um, you don't have to raise your hand, uh, but, well, actually, yeah, raise your hand. I mean, we're, in, we're, we're the church, we can be honest. If you've ever had something that you thought, oh, this is too big, God's not gonna be able to handle this. Okay. All right, a couple of us, some of us reluctantly, but yeah, we've had things. Uh, it could have been, and you don't have to say what it was. It might have been, you know, family issue. It might have been a work issue. I've shared, you know, when I lost my job back in the day that I had a difficulty trusting God to be able to provide financially, but because he did, I'm never going to have that problem again for me personally. Uh, but lots of people have problems trusting God, and one of the things that helps is when people actually see God doing things in their lives or even in the lives of others, it makes it easier for them to say, well, maybe I can trust God in my life or to do this thing in my life. So in this particular book, the book of Ezra, how many people have ever read through the book of Ezra? Okay, it's not the most enjoying and and fun and like life impacting. It is when you look at it the way we are going to. Uh, But what you see in the book of Ezra is, first and foremost, God doing exactly what he said he was going to do. It's one of those books where we're told God made this promise to the people of Israel, and we actually see God fulfill this promise. It's also where you see God fulfilling not just his promise, but prophecies, right? Specific prophecies that are proclaimed. I mean, not just minor ones like you know, Floyd's going to grow up and be a doctor, and then Floyd grows up and be a doctor. I mean, these are groundbreaking prophecies that are filled. But you also see, because of that, the people of God stepping back and saying, hey, I'm going to go and reclaim, you know, my trust in God. I'm going to reclaim my place in God's plan to fulfill his purposes in my life. And so if you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Ezra, uh, because we're going to look at that. And whenever we look, um, whenever we walk through a new book, I like to give you all the background, who it was written to, because not everything in the Bible is written to us, but is there for us so that we can know what God is able to do. Uh, I like to tell you who wrote it and all of that. But before we get into the background, I just want to start in verse one. And to be perfectly honest, because of all the stuff we're going to go through, we're not going to make it past verse two this morning. But there's a reason. It's not just because I'm going to drone on and on. It's so that we understand the impact of what God is saying in his word. Uh, I'm going to put it up here on the screen, but I want you to follow along so you can see I'm not making this stuff up. So Ezra, chapter 1, verse 1, here's how it starts. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm, and also to put it into writing, okay? So 
let me give you a little bit of background uh, about this book. First and foremost, it's considered one of the historical books of the Bible. Excuse me. So if you've read through the Bible and you know the first Kings, second Kings, first Chronicles, second Chronicles, that kind of thing, those are books that just list the history of events that happened. Uh, they're not the poetic books like the Psalms. They're not the epistles, which are instructional, telling us specifically how to live. These are what are called historic books that just give us the history of what happened specifically with respect to the nation of Israel. The good thing is we can go look at this history, we can compare it to what the world says happened, and we see they match up, which hopefully makes us you know, able to trust uh, that the Bible is true. So uh, back, here's what happened. Again, just bear with me, a little bit of a history lesson. Uh, Israel, one nation, then it's split into two. Northern Kingdom got captured by the Assyrians and was destroyed in 722 BC. Then the Assyrians got taken over by the Babylonians. So the Babylonians now have all of these people from the Northern Kingdom in their fear, and they started to attack the Southern Kingdom, which was called Judah. Right? They ended up destroying it in 586. BC. They destroyed it, like totally obliterated it, and took all the remaining people into captivity. If you read through the book of Daniel, Daniel chronicles a lot of this. It's about his life after he was taken captive. So in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. This besieging it is different than when he, like, destroyed it. Around six, I think, 612, 606, he began besieging it, and around 606 to 608, he made the nation, the southern nation of Israel, Judah, that was left, he made them subject to him. They had to pay him money to exist. You know how Puerto Rico is a territory of the United States? Uh, Judah became a territory of Babylon, right? And when they besieged it, they took a bunch of the kings, and they took a bunch of the, the nobles and the other people back to Babylon, but they let the rest of them stay there. Later in 586, they came and destroyed the whole thing. But when they besieged it, they just took some of them, said, you guys are now a part of us. We're taking all your nobles. They'll come into us. And Daniel records that some of the people who were chosen and taken from Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the book of Daniel. Right? So they were taken to live in Babylon, and then Daniel tells us this, that he remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So the book of Daniel kind of corresponds and gives validity uh, to what we read in the book of Ezra, chapter 1. The fact that there was, yeah, this king of Cyrus, all right? So in the first year, Cyrus, king of Persia, it says, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Jeremiah. Uh, first, the book of Ezra, and then the book that comes after it, Nehemiah, uh, in the Jewish books, they're listed as one book. And in some of the other translations, they're listed as one book. It's believed that both were written by Ezra. Some say they were written by Nehemiah. More than likely Ezra, because some of the language from Ezra, he identifies himself, speaks in the first person, and also some of the language corresponds with what's written in First and Second Chronicles, so he probably wrote that as well, okay? So, Jeremiah is a prophet in Israel, but before the southern kingdom fell, 
Jeremiah, who had watched the northern kingdom fall, then God speaks to him and says, hey, write this to the southern kingdom. So Jeremiah starts telling the southern kingdom, hey, you need to be on the lookout because here's what God says is going to happen. Jeremiah chapter 25, this, this is what Jeremiah wrote, chapter 25. This whole country will become a desolate wasteland, and these nations will serve the king of Babylon 70 years. But when the 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and his nation, the land of the Babylonians, for their guilt, declares the Lord, and will make it desolate forever. He goes on and he says this in chapter 29, verse 10. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And the people didn't believe because they were like, no, we need to resist. Jeremiah was literally saying, don't resist, just let them take us over. And the people are like, you're crazy, you're a traitor, you must work for the Babylonians, are they paying you? He's like, no, I'm just telling you, this is God's will, this is our fault, this is the consequence for our sin, just let's, let us take us over because God's going to sustain us there, he's going to keep us there, and then God is going to bring us back here in 70 years. That's kind of a specific, like, prophecy, right? 70 years. Here's the reality, though. In 606 to 608, that's when the deportations to Babylon began, right? Likely when uh, uh, Daniel and, and the others were taken in. If you add 70 years to 608 BC, you end up at 538 BC, which is the first year historically of King Cyrus and when he made this decree that we're reading about in the book of Ezra. And, and, and it may seem like, whoa, that's kind of specific. How could God, you know, be able to do that? Because he's God. The same God that told, you know, hey, Jeremiah, go tell the people of Israel to just not resist. This is their consequence. It's like how many people remember when your parents had to spank you? I know you don't do that today, but had to spank you. And they said, don't fight it, just take it. Like, I didn't take it. I ran around the house hoping she'd get tired. Didn't work out that way, but... This is like God saying, hey, don't fight it, just take it. This is your punishment, but I'm going to sustain you, and in 70 years, I'm going to bring you back. I don't have time to go into why it was 70 years. There was a specific reason. Maybe another time I'll go into that. But then um, back to Ezra. So that's what Jeremiah the prophet said. So in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, which was 538 BC, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, which we just read, which said, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation. So, so let's talk a little bit about God moving his heart. Right? Because we read throughout the Bible that the heart of the king is in God's hands, that all leaders are subject to God. So we're going to spend a, a minute talking about this. I'm going to do it without making any political statements and without getting on a soapbox. Okay? But there are, there are two aspects to this. One is, here's the biblical aspect of what God said regarding Cyrus. And then there's a historical aspect of what God said regarding Cyrus. The biblical aspect is this. Okay? Isaiah is a prophet. He wrote this 200 years before Cyrus was even born. And he specifically said, this is what the Lord says. 
your redeemer who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord, the maker of all things, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. So this is God giving the justification why he can say what he was about to say, right? So this same God who does that, he says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. 200 years before Cyrus was even born, right, uh, God called the prophet Isaiah to say, I want you to write and speak to the Israelites about Cyrus. And they were like, who's Cyrus? We've never heard of him because he wouldn't be on the scene for 200 years. But then he goes on in the next chapter and he says this, this is what the Lord says to his anointed Cyrus. This is no longer to Israel about Cyrus. This is specifically to Cyrus, even though Cyrus wouldn't be born for 200 years. He says, this is what the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, and here's why, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. So 200 years before Cyrus was even born, before uh, anyone even knew what the meaty Persian Empire was, which is what Cyrus was the ruler of, didn't even exist. No one had ever heard of it or thought about it, right? Babylonians weren't even, like, on the scene yet. And God was saying, hey, I'm going to use Cyrus, and he's going to rebuild my temple. The people that he was writing this to, they're like, the temple is still standing. What are you talking about? But God knew what he was talking about. Now, that's the biblical aspect. There's a historical aspect to this. It's not written in the Bible, but it's recorded in history. And that is um, back to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. When King Cyrus came on the scene, Daniel was likely somewhere in his 70s or 80s. Okay? And what most theologians believe, and some Jewish, and I should have gotten the name of it, I apologize, I didn't, some Jewish theologians and historians documented was that when Cyrus came and took over, Daniel was still there. Daniel had the book of Isaiah, not in the form that we have it, but the scrolls of the prophet Isaiah. He was working in, like the government, likely had retired, uh, but still known in the government. And what they say is that he came to King Cyrus and said, hey, can, can I just show you something? Before you determine how you're going to rule, what you're going to do, I want to show you what my God said about you. And he showed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And of course, if someone comes up to you, you show up at a workplace and they show you, here's your name written and what you're going to do. You're going to say, where did that come from? And of course, he had the resource to say, when was this written? How did this come from? And people to verify that this came, this document came over when we took the Israel, uh, Israelites captive way long ago and verify that, yeah, this was written hundreds of years ago. And many people believe that Cyrus, now I can't testify to this, because of this, that he put his faith and his trust in God. 
And although we can't testify, we can read what Cyrus says. Because if you go back to the book of Ezra, this is why we're only going to get to like two verses. It says, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, which said you're only going to be here 70 years, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put in writing. And here's the proclamation. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. And we're not going to get into the rest of it, but when, 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 when the people go back to build this temple... All the other people, they're, they're hating against them. They send letters to Cyrus and say, you can't do this. This is a wicked uh, a nation, Jerusalem. They're going to try to overthrow you. They're, they have this like religious cult-like following faith, and they're going to bring shame onto the nation. And Cyrus says, I'm doing what God has called me to do. Now, here's, 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 here's the thing for us. This is the reality for us, right? Cyrus trusted the promises of God because he saw the fulfillment of just one prophecy. Just one. Just, just, just his name. Oh, this is God who spoke about me 200 years ago. I'm going to put my faith and my trust in this God. And you don't have to raise your hand, but how many people can say, I've seen God show up more than just one time in my life? I know God has shown up in this situation. God has shown up in this other situation. We don't, even, we don't even have to look at just the one prophecy. We can look at all the other prophecies where God did exactly what he said he was going to do. The most compelling one is where he said, I'm going to send my son to die on a cross. The way When we went through 1 Corinthians, Paul said that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, as was prophesied, that he was buried and raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, as was prophesied. If we haven't seen anything else, that alone should be enough for us to say, you know what? No matter what, I'm going to trust God. Even when I don't see him moving, even when I'm unsure, even when I don't know if this is too big for God to handle, I've seen him do enough that, you know what? I'm just going to trust God. And if you're not going to trust him based on what we've seen, we've seen enough to say that, yeah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, if they say it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen. And here's what they say. The prophet Jeremiah also wrote this. He says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Because Jeremiah was going out and saying, hey, let this happen. Let's not fight. If we let this happen, we'll just be taken captive. We'll do our time and we'll get out. And the people were like, no, we got to fight. And then they said, you know what? We don't have to fight. Let's call the Egyptians. Let's call someone else. Let's turn to this political leader or this political leader or this army or turn to this or to this to save us. And God said, hey, cursed is anyone who puts their trust in man. Why would you trust man whom God created when you can trust the creator. He says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And this is what Isaiah wrote. Isaiah wrote, you will keep, this is, this is he's saying of God, God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust 
in you. And he tells the people of Israel, and he tells us, and he tells anyone who is listening, trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He is that steadfast, steady, eternal rock who will never leave us. He will never forsake us. It doesn't matter if we're facing a global pandemic, financial crisis, or, or, or nations going to war. God says, hey, trust in me because I will sustain you, I can keep you, and I can provide for you. So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your head. God, we realize that there's a, a lot of people who have difficulty in trusting you, especially today because of this pandemic, because we have a, a political leaders who are divided. We have social media and, and newscasters who are divided. And unfortunately, we have the body of Christ also divided. But we pray that we would take the words of Jeremiah to heart, that we would not trust in what man says, but we would trust in what God is able to do. We have no idea what the outcome of this pandemic look like, looks like. We have no idea how much longer it's going to go on. We have no idea how much longer the government is going to struggle to try to figure out how to send people back to school and how to keep people safe. But we know that there is a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or imagine, and we put our faith and our trust in you. God, we pray that you would speak to uh, whoever's listening that may be struggling to trust you with their financial resources because maybe they've lost a job or lost a business. We pray that they would put their trust in you. God, we pray for those people that are listening because they're dealing with, maybe they are dealing with the actual sickness. Maybe they uh, were infected with COVID-19 or maybe they're dealing with some other sickness. We pray that they would put their faith and their trust in you. And we pray for your people, the body of Christ, that we wouldn't seek the wisdom of men or politicians, that we would put our faith and our trust in you. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen.